Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Hey, Victory, so glad you could join us here today at Church Online. Man, so many great things going on. Christmas at the movies at our in-person services next week. We've got our Christmas outreach and, of course, Christmas Eve service coming up. It's going to be an amazing night at 5 p.m. with worship and communion. I can't wait to see you on that night. But let's pray together and prepare our hearts and our minds for God's Word today. Lord, we just come before you. We're so full of gratefulness and thankfulness for all that you've done for us. God, I pray right now that you would speak to us today. We want to hear from your word. So let it go deep inside of our hearts. Let it take root and produce fruit in us because we are good ground. And if you agree, let me hear you say amen. We've been talking these last couple weeks about the blessed life. What is the blessing of God? How do we experience more of what God has for us? And what is the purpose of the blessing? We talked about how we play a role in, in how much of God's blessing that we experience. And it's in direct response to how much of God's commands we're willing to obey. All of our messages are available on our website, victoryorlando.com, or on our YouTube channel. Last week, we also introduced the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. It's open to anyone who's ready to take the next step of faith by faithfully bringing the tithe to God through the church. If you want more information about the Tithe Challenge, do me a favor right now, just take your phone out and text the word VO Tithe Challenge to 94000. Today, the word of the Lord is the House of Miracles. And we just sang the song, but when I first heard that song, man, I knew it was for us. I knew that God was saying, I want to do miracles in your life and in the lives of the people in the church. But even more than that, I believe that God was saying this house, his house is a house of miracles. Not only does he want to do miracles in us, but he wants to do miracles through us. He wants to use this house, our house, to be a house of miracles. He wants your life to be a life of miracles. I believe that this is one of the things that this church, Victory Orlando, will be known for a house of miracles, where the power of God moves, where bondages are broken from people's lives, where people are healed, where people are restored, where people can be raised up in the power of God to do all that he's called them to do. And it's, it's not so that we can brag about the miracle God did in our lives and, and just kind of kick back and got it all together now. No, miracles set the stage to point people to Jesus. Let me show you this in scripture. John chapter 20 Verse 30 says, Jesus performed many other signs or miracles. He did these in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Isn't that an amazing thought? All the miracles that we know about and have read in the Gospels that Jesus did, they were only a few. And that's amazing. Jesus did so many miracles, but he says the ones that were written were so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. So let me say this one more time. Miracles set the stage to point people to Jesus. So yes, absolutely, God wants people healed. He wants us to experience his power, his blessing. He wants us to experience miracles in our lives. But 
Don't let this next part ruffle your feathers too much. The miracle you're believing God for isn't all about you. It's so that the goodness and the power of God would be on display in your life and create space for people to take notice so that you can connect them to God. See, miracles happen every day. They're not just for Bible times. God is the God of miracles, and he's in the business of doing miracles. He does them every day, including today. Psalm 77 verse 14 says, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. So not only does God do miracles today, but God's will is for us to be healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually, to have our needs met and to live in freedom. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2 says it this way. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So let me ask you, how is your soul? Is your soul connected to God and prospering? Or is your soul overwhelmed? Is your soul worried and anxious? See, whatever the condition of your soul today, I believe that God can do a miracle in your life. It's a day for a turnaround. It's a day for your soul to begin to prosper, for your body to begin to experience health. It's a day for your mind to be renewed. So what I want to do is I want to look at six characteristics that create the environment for miracles to happen. If you're taking notes today, I hope you'll write some of these down. The first characteristic is the most important. And it's actually the one miracle that every single person has the opportunity to experience. And that is Jesus. It's the miracle of salvation through faith in Jesus. This is the most important miracle of all time. That any person who believes in their heart that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died and was resurrected to pay for their sins, and confesses Jesus as their Lord with their mouth, they will be saved. It's a miracle because without Jesus, the real you, your spirit is dead in sin. But when we make the decision to give our lives fully to Christ, the very power and love of God floods into your spirit, removes the curse of sin, and brings life to your spirit. Come on, let's give God some praise if you've been set free from the power of sin today. It's a miracle because we didn't deserve it. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how good we try to be or how many good things we try to do, we could never earn salvation in Christ. It's just a free gift from God and it's available to every person. No matter your background, no matter what mistakes you've made, if you have breath in your lungs, then you can receive the free gift of salvation through Jesus. See, Jesus is where miracles begin. And if you've never given your life to him in just a few minutes, I would be honored to introduce you to him so that you can experience this miracle in your life today. We're talking about characteristics that create the environment for miracles. Number one is Jesus. The second one is faith. See, there's an element of faith that is required if we're going to see miracles in our lives. The good news is, is that God has given each and every one of us a measure of faith. You have it already. But the question is, what kind of faith do you have? See, in his time on earth, Jesus called out different types of faith that people had. Some had little faith. Others were called faithless. Twice, when Jesus healed people, he told them, your faith has made you whole. You can read those two stories in Mark chapter 5 and Luke 17. 
In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus was in his hometown to minister to people. Scripture says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So the miracles didn't take place because there was no faith in the people. James chapter 2 says, Faith without a corresponding action is dead faith. Today, I want to waken your faith. It's time to wake up. It's time to rise up, to believe God's word, to believe his promises that they are for you, that they're for your family, that no matter what's happening to you or around you, we can have faith in God's word. We sang it just a few moments ago, and I'm declaring it over your spirit right now. Come alive in the name of Jesus. It's time to awaken our faith. Awaken the places in you that have felt dark and dead and lifeless. It's time to awaken the dreams God planted inside of you. I speak to those right now to come alive. The spirit of faith where we used to believe, but man, maybe we've been lulled to sleep. We've become apathetic. It's time to come alive. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor, that sounds great, but I just... I feel like I don't have much faith. I just feel like I don't have enough. If you feel like that today, you just feel like you're just running on fumes in your faith. I just want to tell you again, you have the faith that you need. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus' disciples tried to cast a demon out of a young boy, but, but they couldn't do it. So they came to Jesus and they asked him why. In verse 20, Jesus replied and said, It's because you have so little faith. But truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds there is. He says, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So even if you feel like your faith is so small, you can do great things with a small amount of faith. But it's time to awaken your faith. It's time to strengthen your faith. Even if you've got a little bit right now, you can strengthen it and build it up. So how do we do that? How do we increase our faith? That's a great question. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Romans chapter 10 verse 17 gives us the answer. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. In other words, our faith is strengthened and built up by the things we hear and listen to the most. So the question is, what is building your faith? Is it God's word? Is it the news reports? Is it social media? Is it entertainment and movies, music? What's feeding your faith? See, if we want to see miracles in our lives, then we need to allow the Word of God to be the main and constant thing we're hearing, thinking on, and believing so that our faith in God and His Word will grow. Here's the third characteristic today. Miracles begin with what you already have. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. Here we see a very well-known Bible story, Jesus feeding the 5,000. This was an enormous miracle that took place in that day. Verse 10 tells us, Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, Send this crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages in the countryside and find food and lodging because we are here in a remote place. Can you picture this scene? They're out on a hill in the middle of nowhere. And a huge crowd is gathering. In fact, the book of Matthew records this same story as well with some different details. He adds this, this detail. 5,000 men were there besides the women and children. I think it's significant to have this detail that there were the 5,000 men 
and the women and the children because while our culture would try to divide us by our differences, we know and we believe that every person, man and woman, young and old, all skin colors, all races are important and they all count to Jesus. So even if there was only one woman and one child for each man that was there, that would make the crowd around 15,000 people. But I'm guessing there were more women than there were men, just like there are in churches today. Come on, where my ladies at? Come on, and there was probably more than just one kid per person there because most people have more than one kid. I think it's safe to say that this crowd was somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 people. And y'all, that would be like a packed out Amway arena like we have here in Orlando. A huge crowd of people. Jesus has been brought in as the guest speaker. He starts preaching that morning. He's preaching great, but now it's noon. He's still preaching. It's 2 p.m. Still preaching. Now everybody's getting a little hungry. It's 3.30. Still preaching. Aren't you glad that our services don't go that long? Come on, somebody. Now we're starting to get a little, a little worried, a little upset. We're thinking, man, I wish he would wrap this up so I can make it home before rush hour. Now it's almost 5 p.m., still preaching. In other words, like the scripture says, it was late in the afternoon. The sun was getting ready to go down. Can you imagine being one of those disciples? You know, you've got the largest crowd maybe that Jesus ever preaches to. 20,000 people. It's getting late in the day. You're in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, uh, who's going to tell Jesus we need to wrap this up? So imagine you're one of the disciples and they nominate you to go tell Jesus while he's preaching to let him know the people need to be let go. Be like, hey, Jesus. Wow, man, this day has been incredible. I mean, I've taken so many notes. I've gotten so much out of this. I was just telling... Peter and John, how excited I was that you were doing this whole, you know, five-part series in one day. You know, is, is, is there going to be a part six? Because, you know, I was thinking the people probably are really getting hungry and tired, and we got nothing for them. We got no food. Maybe you ought to think about starting your first clothes so that they could go get what they need. And then Jesus turns around and looks at you and says, don't send the people away. You give them something to eat. Uh... But, but, but we don't have anything. And I'm guessing the disciples didn't plan on that response from Jesus, you know. But what about in our lives? How do we respond when Jesus doesn't give us the answer that we planned on or the answer we thought we would get? Isn't it amazing that we can, what we start to see and what we can start to say when Jesus doesn't answer how we think he should? Sometimes we just see the price tag attached to the answer Jesus gives you, you know. One of the disciples even told Jesus in that moment, how could we ever afford to give them food? That would take a year's wages. Other times people see the fear or speak the doubt. This is impossible. How will this ever work out? You know, whatever the excuse that tries to rise up in that moment, it's designed to cut us off from the miracle that is needed. See, the excuse gets us focused on all the wrong things. All that's not there, all that we see is missing, all that's not enough, all that's not right. And the longer we entertain the excuses, they turn to complaining and criticism and fault finding. Gratitude goes out the door. What we have is not good enough, it's not the right thing, and nothing is good enough. In John's account of this story, chapter 6, verse 8, Another one of the disciples, Andrew, or Peter's brother, speaks up and says, Hey, there's a boy right here. He's got five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go among so many? Do you hear the lack in his voice? We don't have enough! But the truth is, Andrew was holding the key to the miracle in his hands. 
And I just wonder sometimes if we're holding the key to our miracle in our hands, but we're afraid, we're upset, or maybe even disappointed because we were expecting something else. I know when this pandemic hit this spring and everything was shut down, we spent so many hours and had so many meetings over the summer looking for a place to be able to have in-person services again. Our, the school we had been renting was not available. And it seemed like, man, every door, every opportunity, every venue I was calling and reaching out to for a variety of reasons, everywhere was a no. It wasn't going to work out. And honestly, I was frustrated. I was worried. I didn't know how it was going to work out. I remember one afternoon praying about it and just pouring my heart out to God. And he spoke to me and he said this. He said, what do you have in your hand? And I just was like, God, we don't have anything to have in-person services. We got nowhere. I couldn't even get an empty parking lot to give us permission to rent it. And in his mercy, God spoke to me again with this question. He said, what do you have right now? God, we've, we've got our gear and the trailers. We've got the team center. But as I began to tell God why nothing we had would work, he spoke to me and he said, start with what you have. Man, something inside of me rose up in that moment and we just made the decision right then. God, if you can do something at the team center, then let's go, baby. Like, if, if, if you can work at the team center, then it's yours, God. Move in that place however you want to. Do whatever you want in that place. And I'm telling you what, as a church, we're going to continue to dream big. We're going to continue to plan for the future, but we're going to maximize what God has put in our hands right now. We're not going to sit back and just spin our wheels wishing we just had a bigger place or a more fancy whatever. No, we're going all in to reach as many people as possible, as many families as possible, as many teenagers as possible, as many people as we can with whatever God gives us. It doesn't matter where we are. See, the location is not the limit to our miracle. Come on, the miracle begins with what you have in your hands right now. I wanna build up your faith today. It's time to silence the voices of doubt. It's time to get rid of the excuses and begin to re-examine what God has already given you. Do you need healing? What has God given you? He's given you breath. He's given you vision. Like, do you need a financial miracle? What has God given you? Has he given you seed to sow, something to give? Has he given you a budget, a person to bless? Sometimes you are the miracle to somebody else. God puts you in their lives because there's something that is in you that is a gift to the rest of the world. Come on, it's time to look beyond ourselves so that God can use what he's put in our hands. See, the miracle is not in what you lost or didn't get. The miracle starts with what God has already put in your hands. Here's the next one today. Order precedes the miracle. See, God is a God of order. He doesn't do things by chance or randomly or just chaotically. No, he does things on purpose in a specific place where there's structure. But sometimes God will ask us to do something that if we want to explain it or have logic about it, it doesn't seem to add up or make sense. In Luke chapter 9, verse 13, our story continues, and Jesus told the disciples, hey, you give the people something to eat. The disciples answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go buy food for this crowd. It's like they said to Jesus, Jesus, you can clearly see we don't have enough. We just got this two-piece kid's meal with an extra piece of bread. We don't have what it takes. But Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 so the disciples did so, and everyone sat down. 
See, I believe this is really the first miracle of the story. Think about this for a minute. 20,000 people on the side of a hill in the middle of nowhere, no microphones, no speakers, and 12 guys in charge of getting everyone to sit down in groups of 50. Uh, have you ever tried to lead people? <laughs> Most of the times people don't want to do what you want them to do, you know, and that's just the church people. You know, so I can just imagine the people saying something like, they looked at me weird. I don't, I don't even want to sit in their group, you know. I think groups of 25 would probably be really be better. Can you believe he wants us to sit down in groups of 50? We're good on our own. Just give us some food. Like, it had to be incredibly difficult to get this kind of structure in this huge mass of people. I wonder sometimes how long it took to get everyone in the groups of 50. Must have been a while. But see, when we start to get things in order in our lives, patience is key. I love what Psalms 37 verse 34 says in the Passion Translation. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Keep moving forward steadily in all of his ways, and he will exalt you at the right time. Sometimes structure, order, and patience precedes the miracle. See, we can get so frustrated with our situations or waiting for things to change and get better that we can overlook how out of order things in our life are. And God is actually giving us the opportunity to bring structure and order to our lives to make a pathway for the miracle. Because if the miracle came and there was no structure, man, it would ruin us. People pray for God to bless their finances, but they're strapped. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They want to be generous, but they can't really give the way they want because they have no budget. They have no idea where their money's going. So they give just a little bit here and there, and they say things like, they can't afford to tithe. They'll be able to give a little more when things get better. What are they doing? They're praying for more and mishandling what they have. Others pray that God would bless their work, and they quote that scripture saying that God will bless everything their hand touches, but they have no margin in their schedules and their time. They, they, they barely show up at church, and then they don't serve other people. If they do commit to serve, they show up late, and they want to do things their own way instead of how they were asked. They're just unsteady, and they want God to bless their unsteadiness. Listen, it takes order and structure to receive the magnitude of the blessing God wants to bring your way. Let me say it this way. God doesn't bless us according to what we ask for or how well we present our case. He blesses us according to what we've shown that we're able to manage according to his requests. If we can't manage what we got, why would he give us more to squander? Like if we want to create an environment for miracles in our lives, in our families, in our church, then we need to get serious about bringing order and structure where God is honored first and above all. That's the order he desires, to be first in every area of our lives and to be above all else. Here's the next characteristic, brokenness. Now this is not brokenness as in hurt and pain or damaging to you or others. It's not brokenness that is thinking how bad we are or how hurt we are. No, this is brokenness as in humility, repentance. I would even say the fear of the Lord. In verse 16 of our story today, Jesus took the five loaves, the two fishes, and looked up to heaven, gave thanks, and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Can you picture this moment? Jesus is standing there in front of nearly 20,000 people, blessing what is not enough. Blessing five loaves of bread and two fish. It wasn't enough to feed 20,000 people, but he's recognizing what he has and he's giving thanks for it. Could it be that the thing cutting off our access to a miracle is our lack of gratitude? 
See, it's a broken and a contrite heart that God is attracted to. Psalms 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. See, brokenness before God comes through a grateful and repentant heart. There's so much power in that place of brokenness. But so many people want to move past this place of brokenness, thinking, I don't need repentance. Like, grace covers everything. I don't need that. Listen, we need humility and repentance if we want to experience the power of God in our lives. Why? James 4, 6 tells us God opposes the proud, but he shows favor, or another translation says he gives grace to the humble. See, grace is a supernatural empowerment from the Spirit of God to do what you could not do on your own. So where do you need God in your life? I'm telling you what, gratitude, humility, and brokenness is the key because we need God's grace. We're talking about six characteristics that create environments for miracles. First and foremost is we need Jesus. Then we need faith. We need to remember miracles begin with what's already in our hand. That order precedes miracles. And we need to approach God with brokenness, humility, gratitude. Here's the last one today. The miracle passes through our hands. It's not from our hands. This is so key to walking in more of what God has promised and understanding more of who he is. We thought the miracle of healing, the miracle of blessing was for us. We thought that, man, all the wisdom and the divine connections, all the power of God working through us was for our lives. But God does bring those things into our lives so that we can have what he needs. But the real reason behind the blessing, the key is realizing that we are God's distribution center. The blessing, the miracle was meant to pass through us, not stop with us. Jesus blessed the food. He broke it. But what did he do? He gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. I mean, the disciples could have taken the bread that Jesus gave them and ate it right there. If they had, I wonder if this story would have been called Jesus feeds the 12 disciples. It wouldn't have been quite as miraculous. And the real tragedy would have been the 20,000 people who missed out on the blessing that God had for them. So we got to be careful in our own lives not to eat what has been blessed by our Heavenly Father when it could be the miracle that we need if we would just release it from our hands. Some of us have been holding on to every little thing so tightly and then we're wondering why there never seems to be enough and why haven't we seen a miracle in our lives? Could it be that we've become a spiritual consumer, everything is about us, instead of being a spiritual distribution center? In case you don't know how the story ended, verse 17, all the people ate and were satisfied. So nobody left hungry, everyone was full, everyone had enough. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I imagine there were many reasons why there were 12 basketfuls left over. But one reason I believe is that Jesus wanted his disciples to wake up and go find some more hungry people. It's this idea that as we give, as we distribute what God has put in our lives, that there will always be in abundance because God is the God of more than enough. He wants us to have the 12 baskets full, but not just so that we can kick it with our 12 baskets. It's so that we can be a blessing to empty, hungry people that he's bringing across our path. I believe that is going to happen in your life this week, that God is going to bring people your way. So be tuned in, be on the lookout, be listening for the prompting of the Spirit of God inside of you so that you're ready to give to those people in those moments. 
because people everywhere are waiting to connect with a real and loving God because everything else they've tried in this world leaves them empty, dissatisfied, and looking for more. This is why it's so important we don't get wrapped up in living this life all for ourselves and what we can get. God has called us to be channels of his power, his love to people in this world. See, the miracle is not in what you lost, but in what you have in your hands right now. So the question I want to ask each and every one of us today is, where do you need God to make a way? What is it for you? Where in your life do you need a miracle? I believe this is a season to strengthen our faith to get some order in our lives in some areas so that we can be the distribution centers of what God brings to us so that we can create an environment for miracles to begin to take place. So where do you need God to make a way? Man, get something specific. All of us have this area of our lives and I would love to have the opportunity to pray with you, to stand in faith with you. Right now in the chat, one of our hosts is putting a link right there. I would love for you to click that link right now and just put in that form, like, what do you need a miracle in? What area of life are you believing God? You need him to show up. You need the power of God to move. Let this be a moment to move your faith into action, to be specific, to allow other believers, myself, our pastoral team, to be able to pray with you, believe with you. Let's just do this right now. Would you fill out that form right now and send it to us so we can be praying with you this week. I want to pray over you right now. Lord, I thank you that you're moving in this place. God, I pray for every single person that's listening, Lord God, right now, wherever we need you, God, I pray that your power would begin to move. Lord God, I pray for miracles begin to take place, that this is a house of miracles. Those that need a miracle of healing in their bodies, Lord God, I pray right now that stripes of Jesus were for your healing, for healing in your loved ones. I pray for those loved ones that are far from Christ. I pray for people that need financial miracles. I pray for people that need a miracle breakthrough in their business. I pray for those that need a miracle breakthrough in relationships in their family. What is the area for you? Write it down. Send it to us. I thank you, Lord God, that you are in the business of doing miracles in your life. So God, I pray right now that this would be the week our faith would be strengthened, our faith would be built up, that we would be ready. We would be on the lookout, Lord God, for the people that you're bringing our way. While we're believing for our miracle, God, let us be the one to be a miracle to somebody else. We're not going to wait for everything in our lives to be perfect, Lord God. We're going to be ready to be a conduit of miracles to other people. And I thank you. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And I want to pray for another group of people today. You're the one. You need that first miracle in your life. You need Jesus. And you recognize it. And so many people going through their lives, trying to figure it all out on their own, trying this, trying to fill their lives with that, and nothing satisfies at the end of the day, you're left longing for more, looking for the answer, maybe even trying to be a good enough person, and you just feel empty. This is why Jesus came, to fill you with his power and his love so that you'll never be empty or lost again, to bring you into his family. Today, whether you need to make this decision to give your life fully to Christ for the first time, or maybe you just need to come back to him. You need to recommit your life to him. This is your moment, the most important moment of your life. Today, if you're saying, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I'm ready to give my life fully to Christ. I need to get my relationship with God right. I want to be part of the family of God. If that's you, you can click in the chat right now to raise your hand or simply type the name Jesus in the comments. But wherever you are today, 
Would you pray with me? Would you pray out loud all together as one family so no one is praying alone? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Create in me a new heart. I believe that Jesus is my Savior and He is Lord of my life. Fill me with your Spirit so I could live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you just prayed that prayer, man, a miracle took place in your life. The power of God came in you. All of the sin, all the old has been removed and you have been made brand new. Your spirit has literally come to life and now you are in the family of God. So let me say welcome to the family. And I would love to have the opportunity to encourage you and pray with you, give you some next steps to take so you can continue to grow close to God, so you can continue to grow in your faith. Would you send me a direct message? Send me an email to info at victoryorlando.com. Church, I love you so much. And I can't wait to see you again next week right here at Church Online.